So we welcome Brendan Azoff to our show. So we have now a Devils fan, an Islanders fan, and a Rangers fan. So what could possibly go wrong? No, absolutely nothing, right? Nothing, nothing at all. (laughs) For today's episode, we have some updates around the NHL as well as some favorite teams to pick this season. Stefan, what's new around the league right now? All right, so Matthew Kachuk agrees to a three-year deal, $21 million contract. He's missed the last two weeks of training camp, and their GM, Brad Treveling, said we really have two goals in mind this summer. The first one they wanted to do was sign Matthew Kachuk and keep the team intact. So they definitely did that here with signing him. Yep. 21 years old. He's a pesty player. He's a leap from presence. Brendan, we'll talk about that in a second. His hands in front of the net are ridiculous. 34 goals, 43 assists, 77 points in 80 games last year. Yeah, I mean, you watch him play, and he's one of those guys that's not afraid to go to the front of the net. Uh, he's got great hands, as you said. And I, was it against the Islanders against when he went through Islanders. his legs? Yeah. yeah not good. So he's got that skill set where it complements Goudreau's game very well because Goudreau obviously is a smaller guy. He'll stay to the outside. And Kachuk is one of the key pieces to Calgary's success in the future. What was it last year? This Who roasted him? I think it was Drew Doughty, right? Had a problem with him last year. Drew Doughty, he's got a problem Drew with Drew Doughty said, like, your teammates don't even like you. I don't know, something stupid, but... It's a great signing, especially for a Calgary team that's looking to take, of course, another step. And, again, oh, yeah. he's one of those players. I mean, just with him, obviously he's a great player, good for his contract. But I'm surprised they only signed him to a three-year contract. I'm surprised they didn't push it to six-year, seven-year. I mean, just by the way, like, he shows what type of player he is. I'm surprised they didn't get more years out of him. Yeah, I mean, he's only 21 years old, so that's a good point, too. But maybe they thought... You know, salary cap-wise, this is all they could do right now. And I'm assuming if he has another great three years, he'll probably stay with the club, depending on if they're a playoff I think, team. I think that's why it's only three years, because Kachuk and his agent are probably like, we're so young, you know, you might as well sign a three-year deal. You're going to be 24 by the time it's over. Now you can make upwards of 11 that's, to 12 That's actually dollars. crazy, too. Like, he, he's that young, you get a contract like that, and it's, yeah, 21, so he'll be 24. Mm-hmm. That, That's yeah, wild. I don't want to talk about that. I'm doing a podcast, and he's making $7 million a year. <laughs> we are. <laughs> All right, Jennifer, Jennifer, you want to talk about Thomas Shabbat right now? He got a big, yeah, hefty Thomas contract. Shabbat. Yeah. Um, he also signed a long-year contract with an eight-year contract with $64 million for the Ottawa Senators, which he initially signed in 2015, where he was first round, 18th overall. Um, the breakdown of his contract is seven million in 2020 and 21, seven million in 21, 22, four million in 22, 23, eight million in 23, 24, 10 million in 24, 25, 10 million in 25, 26, 10 million in 26, 27, and eight million in 27, 28. I mean, his lowest year is four million dollars a year. I mean, I I take that. Like, I'm not complaining. I mean, yep. that's just a great contract. Um, his career high in goals is 14. His assists, 41. And he has a total of 55 points. So, I mean, good for him. You know, that's an amazing contract. I mean, imagine getting $10 million a year. That's insane. Well, I want to know who his agent is because <laughs> I don't want to be on in Ottawa for eight more years. I don't, see any, I don't see any sign of it turning around. And I guess this is where you wanted to play, but... 
good. I guess good for him. But I mean, yeah, like you said, he set career highs last year. He averaged 24 minutes and 17 seconds time of ice. So he's definitely going to play a lot. And he was an all-star in San Jose last year. But he's there to stay. Like, I mean, he's – that's a long contract. And I, I really don't see this team turning around anytime soon. It's very reminiscent of Eric Carlson. And, you know, despite all the dysfunction that goes on in Ottawa, they still have a good eye for defensive talent. You got Carlson. Now you go right to Tom right Shabbat. There, yeah. He's also only 22. You talked about Kachuk being young. So he's there till the age 30 season. Then he could sign another contract. But uh, you just hope his time there ends nicer than Eric Carlson's time there did. But, I mean, this is a great this is a great signing for Ottawa because, you know, they've had issues with their GM and their fan base. So this was big for the city of Ottawa. I just it's – a, it's, a, it's a great signing, but that it's just one – it's one player. And I feel like their team has so many holes. He's, he was 10th among NHL defensemen in scoring, though. So I guess if they're going to score, it's going to be from the back end. Oh, yeah. Always. I feel like Shabbat and this three-year contract that we just talked about should have switched year amounts. That would have made sense to me. Giving so you Tom mean Shabbat and Shabbat switch? And yes. That would have made so much more sense to me. But obviously, well, with not that high of a uh, dollar amount, I mean, $64 million, my God. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that he, Shabbat just must be really happy there. Obviously, he grew up there, playing there. Yeah, so. I mean, I think it's more the fact that Calgary has a lot more depth on their roster. They don't need to offer the eight years, but Ottawa's got absolutely no one. Yeah, so what is Ottawa paying? They, 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 must, they probably have a ton of salary cap room. Yeah. They have a lot of young guys. I mean, their whole team's young, and they really have no one that stands out other than Shabbat. Yeah, Duchesne's not even no, Duchesne's Duchesne's not on it. Who, who's their top player right now? Brady Kachuk and Thomas Shabbat. That's really it. There yeah, you that's, go. <laughs> that's a, definitely a winning team right there. No, not making the playoffs, I can tell you that. But they still have um, Anderson in goal, so they're okay. Yeah. Horrendous year last year. Yeah. But, uh, Brenda, if you want to talk about Tony D'Angelo, also signs a contract. Yep, so Tony D'Angelo took a very friendly one-year 920000 contract for the New York Rangers. Uh this was coming after his holdout. You know, he said that he might miss some time going into the regular season because he wanted multiple years. But he decided that the way the Rangers roster was looking, if he could take that one year deal and show that he deserves that uh, massive extension, obviously years wise, not monetarily, because he's not at that level that we've discussed regarding Kachuk and Shabbat. But last year he was seventh on the Rangers with 30 points. So he had an OK year from the back end. But the Rangers were also miserable offensively last season so it doesn't really speak much but I think what does stand out is that he was a plus six on a team that that was absolutely terrible in their own end so in limited games you know he only played 61 because he started off as the seventh defenseman he earned his spot and he's young too he's only 23 so he's got a lot to prove this season and he's talked a lot about how being on the Rangers has given him a sense that he deserves to play because as in his time in Arizona he was playing, but they didn't really like him. So the Rangers fit him well. He's got that edge that does a guy well on New York because you need that little bit of, you know, FU attitude, I guess. But Tony D'Angelo looked good last year, and hopefully he can continue that this year. I'm interested to see. I'm going to see if I can look it up real quick. How many uh, people on the Rangers in defense had a plus? Plus? I don't know. I, I couldn't, it can't be that much. I mean, I'm probably not going to find it. But, oh, no, plus minus. Here we go. All right. So defense-wise – D'Angelo led the team with a plus six. Terrible. And then defensive wide, McQuaid was a plus three, but he was only in 36 games. He got traded. And yeah, he, he got traded. He, uh, hey Jack, he was one because he only played five. Yeah, so 
That was pretty much plus six led the team, which yeah. is look at what defense. Mark Stoll's plus minus was because I guarantee you Mark Stoll's plus minus. Ooh, this guy's terrible. Ooh, Mark Stoll, where is he at? Minus nine. Filipino was worse. Minus twenty-two. Yeah, it's not a good year. Brett Howden minus sixteen. Neil Pionka minus sixteen. He's gone. Yeah, Shadow Kirk minus fifteen. He's bought out. That's the thing. When you have a young team, these guys have to learn on the fly, which is why there's expectations for them to succeed this year. And I, they're obviously going to be better than they were last year. They have too much talent now up front. But I think that a bubble team is likely playoffs. Everybody has to exceed expectations for them to make the playoffs. You know, we were talking about how Adam Fox and the young players are going to look up to these veterans. And, like, you know, they have to look up to Mark Stahl, which is not much. But do you think Tony D'Angelo, even though he is 23 years old, can be a leader for like a guy like Fox? I mean, he's got the personality, too. I think that he'll be more of, like, a buddy than a leader. Uh, which is good because, you know, what we play together. And if you're friends with the guys you play with, you're going to have more success. I, Stahl, although I rip on him all the time for his performance on the ice, he is a good guy. And all his teammates do like him. So he's their leader on the back end. He wears the A for the reason. But uh, I, all these guys coming up at the same time, they're all 20 to 23. And if you play together two years, learn with each other, practice every day, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in a couple of seasons. So everybody likes Tony, but no one likes Kachuk. So we get yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> other teams don't like Tony. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we have weird news to talk about with you know Dustin Bufflin and the whole retiring, not retiring, how it impacts his contract. Brendan, if you want to kick it off, just did they do this as a uh, financial issue? Did they did the Winnipeg Jets tell Bufflin, yeah, go take some time? I think it was more mutual that Bufflin was probably contemplating everything, especially since Winnipeg is now all of a sudden from being a force to kind of in shambles. Uh, they lost Truba, obviously, in the trade, and they got Neil Pionk back for it, so that's not really adding much. Uh, Connor and Line still are unsigned, so that's a big chunk of their offense that's out. And obviously, you still have Shifley and Wheeler and other guys that are capable, but missing those two guys on your front six is a big deal. And Bufflin probably was considering retirement, didn't know if he wanted to play, and Winnipeg said, listen, if you step away, we'll save money. And, you know, hockey's a business, so that probably trumped out and now we'll see if Bufflin comes back before the start of the year it's still to be determined yeah so Bufflin has two years left on his five-year extension he signed back in 2016 worth 7.6 mil a year his suspension gives Winnipeg 23 million to sign line and Connor if he misses opening night or every day Bufflin isn't on the roster Winnipeg will save in the neighborhood of 41,000 against the cap more importantly though if Bufflin returns in the campaign, say in December, his cro- his contract would be prorated. So if he misses fir- the third of a season, his contract's cut within a th- like in a third. So that's big deal for Winnipeg. We have to sign two players, and I'll just Patrick Laine and Kyle Connor. Patrick Laine last year, he had 30 goals, 20 assists. He was a minus 24. He averaged about 17 minutes on the ice. Everyone said he had an awful year. If you score 30 goals in the league, Jen, I don't I don't know if that's an awful year. I guess he wasn't as good as his last prior years. He had 44 goals and 26 assists in 2017 and 2018. 36 goals, 28 assists back in 2016-2017. And Kyle Connor, he's been proved every year in the league. Two years ago, two goals, uh, three years ago, two goals, three assists, only 20 games. The year after that, 31 goals, 26 assists, plus eight. And last year, 34 goals, 32 assists, minus seven. I mean, these are that's your offense. Yes, you have Shifley, you have other guys, Lowry, you have guys on this team, but Lonnie was a force to be reckoned with his first year. His one time was as a lead as probably Ovechkin's I mean, that year. It still is. So if this saves money and they could sign these two, 
that's huge. It really is. I would agree. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was with Bufflin is that they're saying like Connor and Liney signed for projected $14 million. I think that – I don't think that's – that seems like a lot. But you can say it's each $7 million a year. I mean, Liney is going to try to command – as close to Marner as he can get. I think that uh, Braden Point signed, what was it, 6.7? Yeah. And that's in Tampa. So if you, you save the taxes there, so it's probably close to an $8 million deal. So that's what Line is going to get. And I don't know if Connor's going to be able to sign more than $6 million a year just because his performance has increased, but he's still not at that elite level. Jen, do you think either one of these players signs before opening night? I don't, I don't know because I don't – just applying money to players, I feel like there's so much more thought into it now than there was before. Like, I'm going to call it back in the day, but like even when we were kids, you know, they'd be like, oh, sign that guy, whatever. But, you know, every dollar counts and you could apply half your money to one player or spread that out between 10 players. But that one player can make a world of a difference in your team. So. Yeah. I'm kind of on the fence here. It's a weird it's a weird situation. It is. Well, the only thing I can think of is Winnipeg is screwed if they sign these guys and Bufflin comes back before opening night. Because if that's the case, they're over the salary cap, and Bufflin cannot come back until they trade, cut, or whatever they have to do. But You have to get under the cap. But, yeah. I mean, what's really like making this a difficult time for Winnipeg is that these two guys are restricted free agents. So even if somebody tries to offer you them, they're going to be willing to match. And it just creates this whole big thing where you don't want to lose them, but at the same time, you don't want to pay these guys what they want. And obviously Patrick Line is fine with skating back in Europe for the year and just holding out. And Kyle Connor is going to want his money too. And these guys want to play, but it's a business, so they need the money first. And you got to get at least one of these guys back before opening night. So who would you want back? I think that Line is going to command more. So you offer Kyle Connor five to six million a year. Hopefully that Bufflin holds out. You have the cap space, and then you could work with Line. I mean, I think I know Line's thirty goals, twenty assists, but I mean Kyle Connor's stats are are not too uh, bad either. I mean, I'll take thirty-four goals and thirty-two assists. Yeah, but he's also playing against second-tier defensemen. Yeah, but you also have Line who's a minus twenty-four. So that's just because he doesn't back check. Exactly. It's probably because the beard weighs him down, that goat-looking thing. <laughs> All right, let's move on. So, um, you know, the Canadians, that's the mecca of hockey playing there. I went to a game at the Bell Center, and it is literally the perfect place for hockey. But Mark Bergerman, the GM of the Canadians, called out Jonathan Druin and said the forward needs to do more this year. So Druin forced himself out of Tampa in 2017. He said he wasn't getting enough playing time. They were going to send him back down to the minors. Him and his agent didn't like that. He gets traded to Montreal, and Montreal trades Mikhail Sergachev. So we all know how that's playing out right now. Sergachev yep. has become an amazing defenseman with Tampa. Uh, one, once he was traded there, Drew signed a six-year extension with the Canadians, $33 million, 5.5 per year, because he wanted more playing time. And with more playing time, he had, in 2017-2018, 13 goals, 33 assists, and 77 games. He was a minus 28. And last year, he had 18 goals, 35 assists in 81 games. And like I said, Montreal's the mecca for hockey. He needs to produce, and he's brought there to do so. He's projected to play alongside Max Domi and Suzuki. And he's an elite offensive skill player. I think of him more like a Matthew Barzal. Not to the extent, but the way they carry the puck and pass the puck. 
I, you just got to see this guy do more, especially for Montreal's team that had a really bad year last year. I mean, I think that you can compare skill set to Barzal, but Druin definitely needs to play off of people. He's not a guy that's going to do it on his own. So that trade, it just looks worse and worse every day just because of the fact that they – you look at Druin and you see – remember those videos from two years ago where he's flipping the puck all the way to the ceiling at the arena and catching. He's got the skill set that's beyond belief, but – He's also a guy that needs, like, he's speed. So he needs somebody to dump the puck in. You look at Elias Pettersson and Besser, how they work together. That's what Montreal needs to find to match with Druin. And hopefully they look at Suzuki and Domi. Domi is very good, but he's not going to be the guy that can help a Druin. But Suzuki is young. He has skill. So maybe that'll be a duo that finally clicks and both of them can go to 50 points. I was reading something about the Sergachev trade, and Montreal said, listen, we would never— pass up on a guy like Druin. He said, we didn't want to give up Sergachev, but for a guy like Druin, it was a no-brainer. And then you look back a few years later, you're like, was it? I don't think so. <laughs> Montreal should have kept Sergachev. It hasn't really paid off to the extent they wanted to. We got a ton of money. But like I said, this is a guy that, he should be on highlight reels when he's on the ice. You want to watch, like when Matthew Barzell hits the ice, everybody's watching because you're waiting for something great to happen. And when Druin first broke into the league with Tampa, he had the puck, you watched because something was about to happen. And I feel like we haven't seen that from him last year. So I think he has to turn it around or, or this he's got to help this Montreal team get back into the playoffs because not being in the playoffs, it's like the Yankees in baseball, not making the playoffs or I don't know the Patriots. Like those are teams that belong in the playoffs each and every year. And when they're not there, it's like, wow. Right. I mean, I a few years ago, I think Montreal. He hasn't, he hasn't found his chemistry really with the team yet. So, I mean, maybe they need to make a small change here or there and maybe he'll find his niche again. Yeah, I think that they'll test this line out, and if it works, I mean, it should work. Of all these guys in this line, yeah. speed, I mean, no, no big physical body. Max Domi's a pest, but it's this skill line. That guy Suzuki is nothing to, you know, he's, he's going to be a good player, and Max Domi, we know what Max Domi could do. So, I mean, looking at his stats, he, he's got to hit 20-plus 20, 20 goals and 30-plus assists to be close to where they're paying him right now. But, Jenna, if you want to talk about – Nolan Patrick now with the Flyers team that's trying to, you know, make their way back into the playoffs. They have some bad news to start off the season. Yeah, their um their number two pick, Nolan Patrick, isn't looking too good. Um, he is on a week to week basis with their calling a migraine disorder. Um, he has not participated in training camp or anything with preseason. And he will be reevaluated once the team returns from Europe, which they are going to the Czech Republic for the NHL Global Series. I mean, I feel bad for him. This kid hasn't, like, really caught a break yet. He didn't have a good start off. You know, all eyes were on him when he first got picked in the draft. If Some people call it a bust. Some people call it, oh, he's a kid. But either way, you know, people nitpicked him and, and now this. So the kid really can't catch a break. I feel bad. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about it last week, how that draft wasn't a strong, strong draft. But Nolan Patrick, has he hasn't done much. He hasn't been bad. He hasn't he hasn't shown elite status. I mean, maybe he's not going to be an elite player, but to not have practice at all, it's going to take him some time to get back. And with the signing of Hayes, he pretty much got dropped down in the depth chart from that center role. So maybe they, maybe they knew about this ahead of time, and that's why they went out and got Hayes. Maybe they knew that, hey, Nolan Patrick has been battling with migraine disorders, and we don't know when he's – this is something that – I've had migraines in the past, and when you get a mig- I got migraines when I played ice hockey, actually, and a few times, and I'm a goalie. So when I get migraines, I can't see anything. That's how I know I'm getting it. 
So that I have to get pulled from the game. So I can't imagine at the NHL level trying to even play through it because once you can't see or you have a headache like that, you're you're acting as you're probably skating as if you have a concussion because your depth's off, everything's off. And it took me five years to grow out of that. So in an NHL where your career's not that long, five years is a lot. I hope it's it's not. Hopefully he has the best that I, I don't know. I can't afford like thirteen million dollars in doctors to <laughs> to make some pill for me, but. Right. And we talked about this last episode, you know, just the safety of hockey. It's a high contact sport. And for this to happen to him at such a young age, it's it's like upsetting. But still, it's a high contact sport. And this could happen to anyone. Oh, 100 percent. I don't know how how um, concussions impact Mike. I don't know if Nolan Patrick's had concussions in the past. It can't help it. Like if he gets hit with a migraine, I mean, I don't think they're connected at all. But anything with head and trauma, technically, this is head trauma. You're dealing with this on a daily basis. It's not fun. You gotta, For me, I had to be in pitch dark. I couldn't see – like I had to – the light hurt, everything hurt. So I can't imagine stepping on the ice and all the lights come on and everything. Yeah. Just fall to the ground and cry. Like that's what I would do. But I mean this is also bad news for the Flyers because if you look back at the 2017 draft, the first pick was Nico Heischer, who obviously he's been pretty solid for the Devils, and this year he's going to do a lot better, I believe, with the depth they added around him. Then it was Nolan Patrick too. Then you had Miro Heskinen, who's been an all-star for Dallas. You have Kel McCarr, who came into the playoffs for the Avalanche last year and looked ridiculously impressive. And then Elias Pettersson was five. So four out of the five picks in that top five have turned out to be very good. And the only one that's really on the bubble is Nolan Patrick. So right now it looks like the Flyers might have missed. A lot of teams do it. But you got to hope that he can come back from this. You know, they find out what's causing it, how they can solve it, and that maybe – the lessened workload and expectations will help Nolan Patrick find his game at the NHL level. Yeah, I mean, he had 13 goals, 18 assists last year. He was a minus eight, 27 penalty minutes. The year before that, 13 goals, 17 assists. So if you're going to take a guy number two overall, he's got to at least be scoring 20 goals a game. And if you look at Elias Pettersson's stats, I'll tell you right now, it's definitely better than that because he's an offensive machine, what he could do with the puck. But um, his stats... Last year, 28 goals, 38 assists, 66 points. That's what you're expecting from a Nolan Patrick. And obviously, looking back, Pedersen gets taken before everybody in that draft. He probably goes number one. So it sucks. This is a year that he really needed to produce because, again, I'm not calling him a bust yet. He's been in the league for a short amount of time. But another year or two where it's mediocre play, yeah, number two overall bust. You take him number 15, 16 in that draft, solid player. But – Based on how everyone else, what Brennan just said, is doing, Hishia is doing great. Pedersen's great. Makar is – Makar could win the – He could win the rookie of the year. Yeah. Calder. yeah. I so, feel like, sadly, this year was his make-or-break player value because, you know, this is, what, his third, second, third year in the uh, NHL. And, I mean, hopefully when the team gets back from Europe, maybe they'll figure something out. Hopefully he'll could get in the game, you know. Maybe the hopefully by the end of October, beginning of November. I mean, I hope he has a comeback and I hope he ends up, you know, shining on the ice. But I mean, with migraines and head injuries, you never know. I mean, uh, Philly was 37, 37, and 8 last year. It wasn't terrible. They just obviously were, they were a mediocre team. And you need players like this to bring your team out of that. So I don't think the Flyers are a playoff team anyway, but. Right. Having Nolan Patrick down on the ice definitely hurts their chances just a bit. The Canadians made some weird decisions, especially with you know them not being in the playoffs. You want veterans and all that stuff. Forward Dale Weiss, Matthew Pekka, 
Phil Verone and defenseman Carl Osner and Xavier Ouellette were placed on waivers. Quickly, Matthew Pekka, fun fact, first player from Quinnipiac University, which is one of the best programs in the U.S., first player ever to get a point from Quinnipiac in the NHL. But I guess, sadly, he won't get any more points in Montreal because they just waived him. Yep. <laughs> but Carl Osner, Carl Osner is a guy that... This is a veteran. He's played 682 NHL games over 11 seasons. The past two in Montreal. Dale Weiss, 490 NHL games for the Rangers, Canucks, Canadians, Blackhawks, and Flyers. He was traded to the Canadians by the Flyers on February 9th. But all these moves really give... This Montreal team is going through a rebuild, and they have some young, talented players... You have Suzuki, we just talked about, is 20 years old. Lekkonen, 24 years old. Kakeniemi, who is going to be amazing, he's 19. And Flurry on defense, he's 20 years old. And Jesper Kakeniemi had 11 goals, 23 assists in 79 games. Lekkonen had 11 goals, 20 assists in 82 games. And Kale Flurry, to not be confused with Hayden Flurry on Carolina, who's their top defensive prospect. This guy, Kelfler, is a top prospect, and he's fighting for a spot on the D-line. And getting rid of a guy like Carl Osner and Olette gives him a better chance of making the team. It just You only have one of those guys, and it's Flurry. That's a defenseman. So it really doesn't make sense to me why would, you would want to waive Osner. You, I would think you would want to keep him and Weber there to mentor the young defenseman instead of get rid of him because Osner is still a very serviceable defenseman. 100%. In the NHL. So uh, it, that move kind of puzzles me unless they have – some type of cap situation that they're trying to work around, or maybe they just all had a bad camp. I don't know, but that that move is a little bit questionable because they got him from you know, Washington after he won a cup, and they thought that he was going to be there with Weber as their top pairing D-man. Yeah, Carlson did not have. I'm assuming he was hurt last year. He played in nine games and he had one assist, so that could be a factor on why they cut him. Maybe he's not healthy. He's played in the league for 11 years, like we said, so. He's 31. I, I just I don't know if this is a great move, especially like we said with young guys to get rid of a veteran like that. Dale Weiss hasn't done much since being on Montreal. Well, he wanted to be on Montreal, but he he's not he's not a great player. He had one big year. That was the end of his career. He had one big year. I think he scored like 20 something goals. But all the other guys, yeah, I just I Dale Verone don't know much about him to be completely honest. Matthew Pekka, he's a third line player. At most, he hasn't really produced in the NHL. He did get that one point that was crucial for Quinnipiac, but that's about it. So I think that Montreal could be good. I don't. They're prospects until they prove something. Yeah, they're not going to be good. You don't think so? No. Too much pressure on Terry Price. um, I'm just surprised that they put these many people on waivers, just because I feel like they need to find a nice balance of veterans and young guys and pair them upright. But just to knock all these young people out, it's I don't know. I mean, like, even you said, maybe there's something with, like, the salary cap and all that. But still, even then, like I said, is it better to have one really good player or three good players? You know, you have to find that healthy balance. The only thing I could think of is they're not expecting much from their team this year, and they'd rather have guys like these young guys learn. It's going to have growing pains. And Carey Price, if this team wants a shot at a playoff, Carey Price has to stay healthy because oh yeah this is a, this is a young team and young teams I mean you're a Ranger fan Brennan you yeah. saw what happened last year when young players play and you have a veteran goalie net he can do all he can but that's really all he can do it's demoralizing yeah demoralizing. and it puts a lot of pressure on Carey Price who I I think can handle it. he's one of the best goalies in the league he had right. a, maybe a down year last year and he's been hurt here and there but 
it's a lot of pressure. We'll see what the Canadians do. I mean, it's going to be exciting to watch, even if they lose games, because all these guys are difference makers on the ice. Kotkin is 19 years old, and he is very impressive. So all I could think of is this is a year for these players to grow, get an extra year in the league, and produce. I don't know. I think that uh, Carl Alsner is going to wind up going either. This move always has Tampa Bay written all over it, but they got Shattenkirk, so I don't know if they're going to want to dive into Alsner. But Chicago also, you know, they're in that middle stage where they still got their older core and they're trying to throw some young pieces in there. But Florida. why not add Alsner? Too? Florida, too. Florida, Florida in the back They can end. use defense, yep. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I, the Islanders don't need them, but you want veteran leadership on young teams and especially teams. Like, Florida would be a great spot just because – they're a good team, and they get Bobrovsky. They get who they get on defense, Strawman. They got Strawman. They're, they're trying to get to that next step. And adding a veteran, if Osner plays third-line minutes, I mean, it's up to him if he wants to sign or not, but I can't hurt a team like that that's trying to take that extra step, and he's played in the playoffs. So it's a, he'll make your top six deep. Like, he's not going to be that seventh defenseman that scratch. So uh, if, if they have – we talked about Florida not having much, you know, depth defensively. You have Ekblad, Strawman. You you want to get that depth, especially if they expect to make the playoffs, which is still to be seen because their division is very good. But uh, I I think that Olsner is either going to wind up in one of the two Florida teams or going to Chicago. What about what about Colorado? Colorado's going young. I know, but you like we they got rid of um the big trade with uh, Tyson Barry. Tyson Barry, yeah. And it's added defenseman. I mean, well, like Tyson Barry spot's going to be taken by Kel McCarr, and then they have well, the McCarr other played. guy, uh, Evan Bouchard, I think it is coming up too. They're loaded. They're loaded in the back <laughs> they're, end. They're they're loaded. Too bad their goaltending is not that strong. Rubar, <laughs> he looked very good in the playoffs. He did, but I don't know. Right, I don't really now trust we're him. Now talking about teams that we think that are strong. I mean, we're going to go into some surprise teams that we have for this season. Stefan, who is your surprise team? All right, so after debating about which team to do, I went with the Vancouver Canucks. And they added a ton of players, so we'll start it off. They added Tanner Pearson. Tanner Pearson hasn't been good in a couple – hasn't been great in a couple of years. Um, last year, 18 goals, 9 assists in 80 games. He was with Pittsburgh, not a great year. I don't think they used him correctly. I don't think the system worked. He broke, He's had broken 20 goals once in his six-year career, but – when I go through all these names, he does not have to be an elite scorer. You have the scoring is going to come from Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, guys like that. So you don't need a guy to score 40 goals. You need a guy to go out there and score 20 goals. And we'll go through the list and pretty much what I expect from Pearson, I expect from everybody else. So next, JT Miller, 13 goals, 34 assists in 75 games with Tampa. Center and a winger, so he's you know you can use him in different areas. Brendan, you know how good JT Miller can possibly be. He's a very good depth player, so there's no, you know, he can play with pretty much anybody. He's not one of those guys that, like we talked about, Drew and needs another skilled forward with him. JT Miller can play the skill game or he can play the grinded out game. So they got a good guy there in Vancouver. And they also add one more forward, and Michael Furwin, 17 goals, 23 assists in 71 games. I would expect the same thing from him. I'll go through the stats in a second, but Vancouver, I'll go through their goals for, goals against, all that stuff. But next they add... Defenseman Tyler Myers. He got a hefty payday. Yeah. Nine goals, 22 assists, a plus 11. He'll help them out definitely on the back end. He's a big physical guy. He could score. And I think this is something that Vancouver needs, especially with the next guy as Quinn Hughes, Jack Hughes' brother, who played in a limited amount of games last year. He played five NHL games, had three assists, two power play points. They're saying that he could win the Calder as well. 
Quinn Hughes. I, I was reading something the other day, and it's going to be – that'll be cool if it comes down to Jack Hughes and Quinn Hughes. But well, It's going to come down to Hughes and McCarr and Hughes and Kako. That's going to be your final four. And whoever but Quinn Hughes is uh, – everyone out. sees that Jack – all the attention Jack Hughes is getting. This guy, Quinn Hughes, is he's an elite prospect, and he's going to help this Vancouver Canucks team, especially on the back end for years to come. So just to break down the stats quickly, Vancouver last year, 17th in the league in goals allowed. 248, 21st in the league with 2.7 goals per game, 25th in the league in goals. They had 219 goals. And last year they finished with 81 points. They were 35, 36, and 11. But they're in a very weak division. Yeah, very. Kings, who don't expect much from them. The Ducks expect absolutely nothing. And the Oilers, yeah, you have Connor McDavid. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I mean, you have Bryce Huddle, too. You have a, a, a weird issue with goaltending where they signed an older guy, Koskinen, who's not an elite guy yep. by no means. So it's just really interesting to see that. I think if this is going to be the year, Vancouver has a really big advantage with all those teams being bad for a chance to make the playoffs and do some damage. They have a young team, like we said, Elias Pettersson, Besser. So I really think – I mean, they have Markstrom in that, which becomes the only problem. He had a solid year, 60 games, 28, 23, and 9. 2.77 goals against, 9-12 save percentage, one shutout, 29 years old. He's got to be good. He was solid last year. He doesn't have to be spectacular. They just have to learn how to put the puck in the net more. And I think the new guys they added in Pearson, JT Miller, Mike Ferlin, and Tyler Myers, who's an op, he could score. And Quinn Hughes, we don't know much about yet. But it seems like he knows how to dish the puck a little bit in his limited time. And this is a team that could really surprise us this year. I mean, they can surprise you. The only thing that stands in their way of potentially making the playoffs is that they're going to have to finish in the top three in their division because you know that the fourth and fifth seed is going to be from the Central because the Central is stacked. stacked. Yeah. So they're going to have to battle. And if they win, you know, about 65, 70% of their divisional games, then they'll make the playoffs. And which is very they, – they can do it because we said they have the depth. Um I think defensively and offensively, they're more talented than the three teams you just previously mentioned. And they can probably rival the Sharks now that the Sharks lost Pavelski. They're getting to that level. So um, I just they, think they, with, have a, yeah. they have a shot. I just think with Elias Pettersson, full year healthy, hopefully. Besser, full year healthy. I mean, we Pettersson was hurt for a while his rookie year, and Besser yeah. was hurt as well. So I really think that this is, this is – if this is the year for them to take that step, especially with the Kings – and the Ducks practically doing nothing. So, Brendan, go to your surprise team. This is a this is a big team, and I think I agree completely with it. Uh, so my surprise team is the Arizona Coyotes. And, you know, one of my key components in picking them was if Ranta can stay healthy. And the Ranta had a very good year a couple of years ago. He only played in 47 games, but he did uh, win 21 of them. He was 21-17-6. and six. He had a 9.30 save percentage and a 2-2-4 goals against. So those numbers are not indicative of the record. At all, but last year he only appeared in 12 games, and he's already day to day now. They just listed body. him, so they already recalled the goalie. So of course my pick's off to a real shaky <laughs> start. But you know the way that the Arizona Coyotes offseason went, it kind of was indica- uh, indicative of them pushing towards the playoffs. Last year they finished with 86 points. They were 39, 35, and eight, so they were pretty competitive most of the year. And, I remember the last two or three weeks we were talking about, wow, the Coyotes actually might make the playoffs. They were that close to pushing, and I think they finished one seed out. So they had a solid year. They got a good coach. And now you add Phil Kessel, who had 27 goals, 55 assists, 82 points. 
Uh, you add Carl Soderberg, who very under the radar move because he still had 49 points, 23 goals, 26 assists. And now you Colorado slot him. Last year? Yeah, so he had talent around him. He's probably going to have talent around him this year, just going to be younger. And you slot him on a third line. That's a very solid pairing. And you look at their top six forward. It's Clayton Keller, Derek Stepan, and Phil Kessel. That's a really good first line. And their second line is Dvorak, Nick Schmaltz, and you're probably going to put Vinny Hinnestroza on that right wing. So uh, their top six is going to score, and their defense, you still have Ekman Larson, you got Jason Demers, who's good, you got Nicholas Jalmerson, who his days in Chicago and Arizona, he's very solid, Jacob Chitrin, so they're going to be good. They have a very good team, you know, very under the radar, and they kept everybody. If Ronta can stay healthy, which we said he's day-to-day, but day-to-day, you know, a week before the season, he'll probably be there opening night, and if he can play, you know, 50 to 60 games for this team, there's a good chance that they could push for that playoff spot. And I think for Kessel this year, he's not he's not playing with the superstars like Crosby and Malk. And this is a different team when they're younger. And I think that, well, first off, if you have NHL, the video game, Phil Kessel's shot is just surreal in the game. But besides that, Phil Kessel is a complete difference maker, and he took a lot of heat in Pittsburgh for the way he acted. Malkin said something about that. He cared more about his points. Instead of their success, I mean, he did win cups already. Not that that he should be giving, not caring at all. But I think with Arizona, he's one of the superstars on the team that he's got to produce. With Pittsburgh, they were all their top two lines were superstars. They had a ton of talent. So I think it's now time for Phil Kessel to be that leader. He wasn't that leader on Pittsburgh. They had Crosby. They had Malkin there already. He didn't get that chance to be a leader. We don't know how good he is as a leader. We know that he knows how to slash people with his stick with the whole. uh, John Scott. Yeah, uh, I mean, but you, what you just said about what Malkin talked about Kessel and how it was the ultimatum of who gets traded, that's got to be motivation for him. And you're talking about a guy that had 82 points last year, so he's not a scrub by any means. No. And you could be looking at 90 points. Stepan's very capable of giving him the puck, and all you got to do is give him the puck with some type of space. He'll pick a spot in the corner. So, uh, you If you got to eat hot dogs and score 27 goals and 55 assists. Yeah. But I, I think that – I don't know. I think you get it 30 goals this year. 30, 60, 90 is a very likely line for him. Yeah, I this do think has- Phil Kessel is definitely going to be the backbone of the team this year. I feel like he's really – he's been given the platform to really be the Crosby of the team, be the Malkin of the team. You know, he just has the right people around him to hold the team together, and he's very capable of it. I, I completely agree. I just think that – Arizona, it's all about goaltending with them. Their goaltending has been questioned. They, had, who did they even have to start before Ronta? Oh, it's Mike Smith. Mike Smith. And Mike, Mike Smith. He was very good until he aged out. But Their I, defense has been their problem usually, and they don't yeah. score enough goals. I mean, Darcy Kemper looked all right good. when he played. He was up and down, though. So he's a very quality backup. When he has to play the majority of the load, he's going to have a 10-game stretch where he just looks like he can't stop a beach ball. And that's why they're not going to make the playoffs. But if Ront is able to spell Kemper and Kemper just has to play 30 games, they'll be but very also, good. And also, wasn't last year the year before Ronta's first year as a starter? Because he backed up Corey yes. Crawford. So. He was backing up Corey Crawford, and he backed up Blomquist. He's so, older, I mean, too. If you look at the goalies that he's backed up, he's definitely learned from some pretty good guys. So he's got the skill set. We've all seen it. And his numbers from two years ago when he played 50 games indicate that he can handle it. It's this this team is very healthy. similar to the Carolina Hurricanes last year. It's a franchise that looked to take the next step. They did, but that goaltending really screwed them. I mean, Mrazek was not good when it mattered. So you hope for the Arizona Coyotes that Ronta is able to play enough games to help this team get into the playoffs. Yep. But, Jen, who are you going with this year? 
Yeah, I love your guys' picks, but I'm going to move it a little more east on the U.S. map, and I'm going with Minnesota Wilds. Uh, They definitely had a solid offseason. They signed forward Matt Zuccarello for a five-year contract, which I think was the perfect amount. You know, he's proven himself, but it wasn't a complete overboard. It wasn't like an eight-year contract, like nothing wild. Um, they selected Matthew Boldly for the first round, and they also still have key veteran players. They still have Zach Parisi. I know he had like a really bad back injury like two years ago. He's not the star player he used to be, but he still really holds the team together as like, I'm not going to call him old, but like he's a veteran player. Um, they also have Eric Stahl, but also... They also had a huge move with Bill Gurins uh, signing him as the GM. Um, he had a huge run in Pittsburgh. Um, he was part of them when they have more wins and points than any other NHL team with 307 wins and 802 points. And he held them together through that. Um, and nobody has more wins in the Stanley Cup playoffs during that span as well with 56 and also, he's been with th- with them through four Stanley Cups. So, I mean, obviously, Bill Guerin has a lot under his belt. And I just feel like he's going to be a good fit to bring Minnesota to that next level. Yeah, I mean, Matt Zuccarello, after, he was traded last year so to far. Dallas. And right, right oh, away oh, after... Oh, yes, to uh, Dallas, yes. Yeah, right when he was traded from Dallas, uh, from Rangers to Dallas, he broke his leg. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, he's salty, salty Ranger fan. But no, I um, think he was there for a week and he broke his leg. Like it was, yeah. it, Wait, it was the first time. game. First game, he had a goal and an assist, and then broke his leg. And I think he came back at the end of the season, right before the they yeah, missed. And yeah, and he had a very good playoffs. So they, everyone that's ever watched Zuccarello knows that the fans are going to love him, the players are going to love him, and he's guaranteed to give you 50 points at least a year. He's just Leadership. he's a very good player. Like, there's no other way to say it. Um. The Wild, they're going to be good. And, you know, Bill Guerin, it's his first time as a GM. So you got to see if he's able to move around. But he can't be worse than the one they just let go of. So, you know, they have the pieces to rebound. They were in the playoffs the previous three or four years. So, obviously, they're good. They have Devin Dubnik. You know, they had a bad year last year. He did. But you, you look at their defense, and he could probably bounce back. Eric Stahl had an unreal year. Can he keep <laughs> that up? We, I mean, they're older. So their window is closing rapidly. Um, they have a nice. They, they definitely yeah. have all the tools to make the playoffs. Well, also forget they got Kevin Fiala last year. They signed, like you said, Zuccarello. They also have Ryan Donato, a young guy. Ryan Hartman. So they added depth on the forwards. They have Jordan Greenway, still who's trying to make his yep. dream well. Joel Erickson Eck, who played solid. Marcus Bellino. Defense is still Sutter, a Suter, Dumba, Brody, and Spurgeon, Hunt, Sealer, guys that proved last year they could play. And it's all about Dooney. But this team. I don't know. They talked about last year how they were looking for an identity. And then this offseason, I don't know if they have an identity yet, but adding guys like Donato and Hartman and Kevin Fiala is definitely a difference maker. I know his rookie year, he broke – did he break his leg as well? He went hard into the boards, I remember, with Nashville. And I, I, think I he, know he did that in the playoffs. I don't know if it was his rookie year. Was it his? It might have been his rookie year. I don't year. know. Anyway, but he's he's a difference maker as well, and he doesn't get enough credit. So I think that – Again, Minnesota is like a mini Canada. They're not going to take yeah. not making the playoffs. That's just not how it's going to go. So I think Matt Zuccarello definitely helps. I think contract was perfect. He's not a young player. I'm pretty sure he's in his early 30s. So this should probably be his last, maybe second to last contract. Probably get a one-year deal after this. But Zach Preece is a guy that has to prove himself again as well with the back injuries and staying healthy. 
I love Zach Parise. I was a fan of him when he was with the Devils, and when he left, I followed him to Minnesota. I like Minnesota as well. It's all about staying healthy with him and his leadership, but Eric Stahl, is he going to have the year he had last year? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, every time he touched the puck, I felt like he scored a goal. And sometimes it's just like that for a year where you're just on your game. And I think he's an older player too. Even with a good year last year, he still has to prove himself this year. And if he doesn't play well, you know, he's he's a veteran leader for these guys, like I just said, Donato and Fiala. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, their division though is... Central stacked. <laughs> I mean, the Central's got Dallas now, Asheville. I mean, Dallas got Pavelski. Chicago. That's a lot bigger than whatever. That's, people aren't giving that like a huge thing. Pavelski is one of the first of the best... That front presence. We talked about Kachuk. Yeah. Pavelski is the best tipper in the league. Best leader. He's now with a new team, not at San Jose, who's in a similar boat where they have good stuff. They just can't win. I don't know. Him with Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. Well, the only thing with the Central is that every team in that division has about three or four years to win. I mean, and then that whole division becomes a nursing home. I think Nashville Nashville's going to be solid again with Duchesne. Well, Nashville's always good. Their yeah. defense is too good. Rene's too good until the playoffs come around, but... It's literally all their cores are 30 plus. And then you look at the East and the East has been competitive every year, but all their cores have quietly shifted to 20 to 22 range. The Devils, the Islanders, the Rangers, uh, Tampa Bay still young. Florida's young, even though they added veterans onto their roster. So there's a lot of teams that are just gearing up for like the stretch run, the long run. And I feel like the Central's gearing up for, two years of trying to win a cup every team. In that That's league. why Pittsburgh's in trouble. Cause out of all the teams in the, Pittsburgh's in in the East, trouble. their team didn't get, I mean, they got Galchenyuk, but that you traded Phil Kessel, but they're not young at all. But, but I'm just tired of seeing Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Like I was so happy when they did not so good last year. I'm just, I'm tired of them. Like I want to see new teams, you know, new fresh faces in the playoffs. You like Carolina it was a great storyline last yeah. year. I don't, want to talk about, I don't want to talk about that either. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Pittsburgh is – they're aging out quietly. Their defense has turned to shambles. They really have nobody left on the back end. They traded Mata. I mean, Jack Johnson was – They there. signed it's just Brennan Tanev to a freaking – To a massive contract at forward. It makes no he's sense. He's a fourth line forward. We talked about this last week. I was going off on them. How, like, it just – we said that that's a kid that has to produce. Yeah. Not for him at all, at all because he's – he goes home every night and rubs the money. Like, it doesn't matter. But for Pittsburgh to not see, a, like, an absolute moron, he has to score at least 20 goals. He's never done that. No. <laughs> he's got to have 20. You would think that for the money he signed, he's got to put up at least 50 points. All right. So, quickly, before we wrap this up, just a question for both of you in regards to who you think is going to come out of each division. So, Brandon, I'll start with you. Out of the Metro, who wins the Metro right now? I'm not picking anyone but Washington just because you. we talked about the youth throughout the league. The Islanders, I like their roster, but at the same time, they changed pretty much rapidly in goal. And Barlamov's shown that he can be very good, but very inconsistent. That part of it scares me. So I think that Pittsburgh is going to fall. Carolina has a good shot. Columbus is, they're going to be a bottom feeder. They have nobody in net. Um, it's going to be a battle for, you know, two through four in the Metro. But Washington's roster is just still the most complete. I agree. Jen, who do you think out of the Metro? Do you agree? I, like, weirdly agree with that a lot. Um, Pittsburgh, you know, they're we're not going to see them for the next two, three years in the playoffs, I think, to be honest. Um, but Washington's strong, like you said, for the past 
four years. They've just been like a solid team, and we're going to see them in the playoffs this year, so I'm going to go with Washington. Yeah, I completely agree, and we'll go to the Atlantic now. For some reason, I want to say Boston's winning the division. It's probably going to be Tampa, but I think it's Boston. Tampa's winning the President's Trophy again. <laughs> just, I don't know. I feel, I feel something about Boston this year. I feel like they're just that good, and I think Tampa's – they ha- Tampa's, I think, going to be a little hungover from the playoffs and what happened to them. Well, I I think Tampa's going to be energized by that because they have to do it. And they're they're one of the best regular season teams I think I've ever seen. And we saw it last year. They, I think they tied the all-time win mark. And I don't know if they're going to have 128 points again, but they're, I mean, they, they're going to they, go off. Boston was in second with 100. And, that, that's actually disgustingly yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, they did, they did add. They, they would have won the Metro. They had Patrick Maroon for pocket change. Kevin Shattenkirk for a discount deal. Like they, they, their team they is have, They amazing, have prospects. But I'm going to catch slack for this. I think Toronto's winning the Cup next year. Ooh. I, I am. I'm going to pick that because they added the one thing they didn't have, which defense, was defense. And they added, yep. I was going to say that. And Frederick Anson's great. Again, another guy in the NHL game who's somehow a brick wall. Yeah, but The Lightning are going to win that division. Jen, do you agree with the Lightning or are you going with someone else? I feel like the Lightning has changed so much since we last saw them, so it's kind of tricky to go there. Um, I mean, Boston, you can never go wrong with Boston, but also I want to point something out. Uh, Toronto, I want to like them, but they're also in a lot of trouble with Austin Matthews there, so I mean, who knows what's going to happen with that. You know, it could make their whole team fall apart. You know, you don't know, but um, I'm going to go with Boston for the Atlantic. Yeah, I guess the Mitch Marner contract looks pretty good now if something happens to Austin Matthews. I mean, I, the whole the whole story. <laughs> Let Brandon, quick, is, Brandon quickly explain the story so people Austin don't know. Austin Matthews, yeah. apparently he had a very good night and wound up pulling down his pants in front of a female security officer. So, I mean, I can't say we've all been there because most of us haven't. But, hey, you know, what do you sometimes think his, the boys get rowdy. <laughs> what do you think his tab was? His tab was probably... Probably paid for a lot more than I have in my wallet. Let me tell you that. All right. So let's go now to the West and the Pacific. A lot of tough teams for me in the Pacific. I think, I mean, I did pick Vancouver to be a surprise team, but they're not going to win it. I think it's going to be Calgary again. I think it's been Calgary and Vegas. San Jose took a major drop just with the fact they lost Pavelski and, you know, Joe Thornton's old. They have, I mean, they have guys they produce. Timo Meyer is going to take another step. Martin Jones has to be better, but yeah, I don't, I, I just think Calgary, especially now they signed Kachuk back, that's an elite team, and I don't think anyone, especially if they're goaltending with Riddich, is going to bring sure Cam Tablet's now the backup. Yeah, or he might be even starting, you don't know. You don't know, but I think Calgary's just, again, it's a weak division. Yeah, I mean, I think Vegas wins it, just because they added Stone, you know, at the end of the year, and now they have a full year with him. Uh, Flurry is still, I think, the best goalie left in that division. San Jose took a big hit. Uh, they're going to be neck and neck with Calgary all year, and I just think the names that Vegas was able to add, you know, with and uh, also Shea Theodore was diagnosed with cancer, and now he's bounced back from that. He's in training camp, so I think that that's also every time you have something like to rally around in a locker room, that's good. And we saw like their first year with the Vegas shooting, the whole city rallied around that. So that just seems like a team of destiny since they came into the NHL, so I'll take them to win the Pacific. All right, Jen, who do you think for the Pacific? 
I do want to see Calgary do good just because I was so excited to watch them last year because, like I said, it's someone new. It's someone different that you're not used to seeing. But I am going to have to go with Vegas. I've rooted for them, like, day one. They're, I do have to say, right behind the Devils, I have always rooted for Vegas. You know, their first year in the NHL, I puffed them all the way winning to the Cup, and everyone was like, you're crazy. And then, like, look what happened. So it's just a great addition, and the team's strong. So they're a good playoff potential team yeah they didn't lose anything to make themselves right but we'll go to a division where a team that won uh st louis i i don't think is gonna have a year that they had last year at all i just think they're this was a w- good year for them and then they won a cup great that's i'm pretty sure they're not gonna be back in the cup for a long time my team for this let's see can't you can't say winnipeg because you don't know what's going on with them I think it's between Nashville and Dallas. I think Dallas takes the extra step this year, like we said with Pavelski. I would love to see Dallas just because there's so much talent. You want to see them competing far in the playoffs. I want to see Sagan in the Stanley Cup final. Jamie Benn, that guy uh, Hiskinen, right? Miro Hiskinen. Yeah, Nasty. Un- unreal. Yeah, Ben Bishop, who I don't like him just for the fact that I think he's overrated, but he's a very good goaltender. His stats don't lie. And this is a team that, again, their window's closing as well. They have all these ta- this talented guys, and they have – Issues with GMs and players. I remember, pretty sure their GM called out Jimmy Ben last year. <laughs> called out Jimmy Ben and, and Sagan, Sagan, yeah. And that's not something you want to do to your superstar, especially when if they don't if they don't play, you're screwed. So I think that this is the year for Dallas. And I just think Nashville again with Matthew Shane signing, they're going to be a strong team yet again. They lose PK Subban, but again, they they're they're okay. I mean, going My with pick. Nashville. Oh, sorry. Going oh, go with Nashville. It. Still a strong team. Don't get me wrong, but it was their time two years ago. I feel like they're still strong. There's still potential, but they're they. You can only have the flame for so long, and I just feel like this year is not going to be their Stanley Cup year. Will it be their playoff year? Yeah. Will it be the Stanley Cup year? No. So I'm gonna go with Dallas Stars. I'm excited to watch them this season. The team's stacked. They have great players. They just have to find the right chemistry, and I think we'll see them have a fantastic season. And who is your team? I'm going with Colorado. Uh-oh. I just – you look at that. Nathan McKinnon, I think, is the second-best player in the league behind McDavid. And you add Cal McCarr, Bouchard. They're already solid you know, defensively. You add Nazim Kadri to their second line via trade. You have uh, – I just – that team, to me, top to bottom, is extremely talented, and not a lot of people are looking at it as a chance at a cup contender yet. But Grubauer, he improved in the playoffs drastically, and if he can continue that play, again, goaltending is, for as long as this league exists, no matter how much offensive skill comes into it, goaltending is the difference maker no matter what. So if Grubauer can play and play well, maybe a two, three goals against, two, four maybe, they're gonna. I think they win that division. Yeah, Philip Grubauer at 2.64 goals against last year at a 9.17 save percentage. But what do you have in the playoffs? That's yeah. The, no, the playoffs were, were solid. Playoffs, he um, was seven and five, but he had 2.3 goals against, 9.25 save. If he could do a 2.30 goals against and 9.25 save percentage, this team is definitely capable of doing that. It just comes to the fact that you know that's a this team has a lot to prove, especially with losing some guys that they've had that you know they thought they'd stay there for a while. Um, yeah, but you guys, you know what happens next week? Last Friday without hockey. That's right. Today, today's the last Friday without hockey because, oh boy, 
Are we ready? Are we ready to see some actual hockey? Or best time of the year. It is. It's the <laughs> best season. Screw fall, winter, spring, and summer. Hockey season is the best season. That is right. So that'll do it for us today. Next week, we will obviously get into the few games that started as, as well as games that are about to begin. This is a big year. I mean, we're all fans of teams that are going to have to produce to say it's a tough Metro division with the Devils, the Rangers, and the Islanders, but I'm ready for uh, some exciting the hockey. rivalries are all revived. We yeah, all we'll probably fight. coming off all top between those three. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to – yeah, this is going to be great. All right, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Yep, and that's it for the back check. Hope you liked our team favorites for the 2019-2020 season. Thank you for listening, and we will see you in the next episode of the back check.